Hey, it's Jennifer. Thank you so much for joining me for my very first podcast. So today's story is going to take place in my hometown of Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. And although it is a a city, it's not a big city like, say, Toronto or Vancouver. And of course, we do have crime here. Where what place doesn't have crime really? So we do have crime, um, and we have homicides as well. And usually here, anyways, the homicides are done by a known person. The victim has known them already. I'm sorry, and. And um, so it's kind of rare when there is an un- unsolved case. So this story really intrigued me. So let's get started. In the fall of 2008, a 26-year-old man named Jill was new to the city of Edmonton. And he decided to go on to an online dating website to meet a companion and soon he was exchanging messages with a 24-year-old blonde named Sheena. After exchanging messages for a while, Jill and Sheena decided to meet. Jill drove to Sheena's house and was told to enter through the garage, and the garage door was open a little bit. I believe something along the lines of she was staying with friends and didn't want them to be bothered by somebody coming to pick her up type of thing. So while waiting in the garage, Jill suddenly was hit from behind. When he looked back, he saw a man hovering over him with a painted hockey mask. It was red, black, and gold. The man then pulled out a gun and told Jill to get down on the floor put his hands behind his back, or he put his hands behind. The man put Jill's hands behind his back um, and told him to close his eyes. As Jill was laying on the cement floor, he heard some kind of jingling noise, which was metal handcuffs, and he knew he had to get out of there because if he got handcuffed, he knew he was not... Uh, not going to be able to fight off the perpetrator. Um, as the attacker was leaning over, Jill grabbed the gun, but then realized the gun was plastic. The attacker then started to strike Jill with a stun baton. After a violent struggle, Jill escaped under the garage door and... Um, I believe, sorry, as well, that he, due to the shock, his legs, when he tried to get up after crawling under the garage door, his legs became numb, and the attacker grabbed him again and started pulling him under the garage door again. So he knew he had to get out. Like, he knew he had to somehow kick the attacker, because if he went in that garage again he was not coming out <clears throat> so Jill escaped again 
and ran into two people walking their dog, and he asked them to help him. He knew he had to go to the police, but he was ashamed that he got tricked by a man pretending to be a female, so he kept it to himself. John Bryan, known as Johnny, was a 38-year-old man from Edmonton. He told his friends that he was meeting a woman named Jen, who he had met on an online dating website. Friends became concerned when they received strange emails from Johnny, explaining that he had met a woman he was madly in love with and she was taking him on a long vacation to Costa Rica. It was suspicious to his friends because Johnny wasn't the type of person to just run away with a woman that he had known for a short time. Johnny's boss also received a resignation letter by email, but never got a response to his request for a, forward, for a forwarding address for the final paycheck. After growing more and more suspicious, several of Johnny's friends broke into his condo only to find his passport, dirty dishes, and no indication of anything being packed for a trip. A homicide investigation was then launched. Before Johnny went on his date, he sent an email to a friend with the directions to Jen's house. Once police found who was renting the garage, Mark Twitchell was quickly apprehended and interrogated. He told authorities he had no idea who Jen or Johnny were. He was a filmmaker who was renting out his garage for slasher horror films. Mark Andrew Twitchell was 29 and he lived in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Although he came from a well-adjusted family, there's not much about his parents or his childhood. Um, it was believed that he spent a considerable, considerable part of his youth in the Midwest United States. He returned to Canada in the late 1990s and took a course on television and radio, graduating in 1999. He was considered a loner, but he did have a core group of friends. Uh, friends have described Twitchell as being a good guy, but not trustworthy. While doing joint projects, Twitchell often failed to do his part, but instead of owning up to it, he would make up a story or an excuse. He also lied unnecessarily. From 1999 to 2004, Mark Twitchell lived in the United States, returning to Edmonton in 2008 after his second marriage. At the time of his arrest, he was in his second marriage and had an eight-month-old daughter. It was also said that he was a womanizer who cheated and lied throughout his marriages. A few weeks before police apprehended him, Twitchell made a movie called House of Cards, which followed a man who was lured from an internet dating website to a garage where the killer was lying, was waiting. Once inside the garage, the unsuspected victim was attacked by a sadistic killer 
that binds him to a table and murders him with a butcher knife. When authorities searched his laptop, they found um, extremely disturbing diary letters. <clears throat> um, they discovered dark and violent entries written in the first person entitled SK Confessions. Twitchell said SK stood for his hero, uh, his hero writer, Stephen King, but said it also meant serial killer. The first line of the entries is, this is the story of my progression into becoming a serial killer. The entries detailed the thoughts and feelings he had while he was committing the crime. At one point, he talks about how he laughed to himself as he was dissecting the body. He insisted that the writings was a work of fiction. He admitted to luring Johnny um, and a week earlier, another man to the garage but said it was not to harm them, but as a prank to encourage them to help hype up his slasher movie project. Twitchell wrote in detail about the slaying of Johnny and alluded to the fact that he was planning on killing a new victim each Friday. A search of Twitchell's car turned up Johnny's DNA as well as a yellow sticky note that reminded him to clean up the kill room and then go have sex with a woman that, that wasn't his wife. Because the entries described another man being lured to the garage, the police decided to take the story to the news. Four weeks after his encounter, Jill saw a news report that another man had vanished after being lured to the same garage the weekend after Jill's encounter. So Jill knew he had to go to the police. Jill felt, uh, felt thankful that he managed to get away, but of course was remorseful that he didn't go to the police sooner. Eventually, Twitchell confessed his crimes, um, but, dur but during his trial, testified that Johnny got angry when he learned of the prank and attacked Twitchell. So in self-defense, Twitchell said he knifed him in the heart and then panicked, cut up the body, and then dumped it down a sewer. The prosecution refuted this claim and contended that Twitchell had lured Johnny to the garage that night for one reason only, to kill him in a way that would match the movie he had made just weeks before. After a month of testimony and evidence, which included Johnny's DNA being found in Twitchell's car and clothing, the jury deliberated for five hours. They found Mark Twitchell guilty of first-degree murder, which carries an automatic life sentence without parole for a minimum of 25 years. Twitchell was sentenced to life in prison with no chance of parole for 25 years and is incarcerated in a Saskatchewan penitentiary. <laughs> Sorry. In 2017, Jill wrote a book called The One That Got Away, 
It's a personal account of his near-death encounter with Mark Twitchell. He said the motive was to get the word out on a, of exactly of what happened to him and maybe make some awareness about online dating. And that is the first story. So I'll just tell a little bit of a personal note about this case. Um, this is the only one, ho hopefully the only one that will ever have a personal note. Um, so it must have been maybe 2007. My A friend of mine sent me like a chat message saying, hey, this person keeps asking me to friend them. Um, can you take a look? And they sent me two links. So the first link was a Facebook page. And Facebook pages are kind of generic, like you can change the banner, but it's pretty much all the same. But as soon as I clicked on that page, it was like a creepy feeling came over me. And I was like, oh my gosh, what the heck is like this person? Who the heck is this person? Um, and then I clicked on the second page, which was the a MySpace page. And that one was really creepy as well. Just by clicking on it, like I really didn't even look at anything. It was just like instant creepy feeling. Um, on the MySpace page, it had a little bio. And in the bio, it said something along the lines of, I love blood and gore and I'm a filmmaker. Like it's just, it was just creepy. So I told my friend, do not friend this person. And they were like, oh, yeah, like, that's why I asked you. I just wanted to make sure because this person keeps asking me, like, all the time to friend them. And maybe a year later, it might have been, like, six months to a year, was watching the news. And they were talking about the arrest of Mark Twitchell. And they, I think they showed like a screenshot of his MySpace page. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's the, that's the link that my friend sent me. So yeah, I was like, oh my goodness, thank goodness. <laughs> she did not friend him. Not that anything would have happened, but still like just weird. It was just weird that, yeah, you could go onto a page and just immediately get a creepy feeling. So I hope you liked this first podcast. Hopefully it will get better. And I hope you enjoy your day. Thank you.